Alright guys, today on the show I have Heather Antos with me promoting her new... Uh, ho- uh, I've got the wrong anthology in my head right now. Oh, oh no! <laughs> promoting Unlawful Good. Okay, that's the right one. I'm sorry, I got mixed up with Rachel Deering's one in my head at the same time. Oh uh, yeah, In the Dark. <laughs> yeah. So, Unlawful Good is launching on Kickstarter soonish. Uh, Wednesday, September 10th. Awesome. And it is a crime anthology that has 35 creators or 35 stories? Uh, there are 16 stories with a team of 35-ish creators. It's between 35 and 40. I have to go back and check. There's a lot of people involved. Um, and 16 different crime-themed stories. All of which, some look realistic, some look supernatural, some look yeah. paranormal. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great uh, group of stories. I mean, um, you know, uh, there's a pirate story, there's a, a story that takes place during the witch trials, um, there's this, like, supernatural magic heist that happens, there's one that takes place in space, um, so, and then you have your vigilante, and then your, you know, your, um, thie- uh, thievery, bank robbery, so, we, we cover the genre, it's all in there. And there's also a very Nickelodeon looking one, too. Yeah. By, by Jay Foskett, I'm gonna say his name wrong. Jay Foskett. Okay. Man with a Thousand Faces yeah. almost looks like it should be a cartoon. Oh, absolutely. It's well, and the cool thing about that story in particular um, is it's a silent comic. There's no words involved. It's all told through pictures, so it's kind of like your old black and white uh, noir crime shows. That is awesome. Well, yeah. See, here's what I don't get: silent comics should have been a thing for the past ten years, right? And you, especially after we had a um, guy that worked on the Green Lantern. I'm, I'm uh, Jeff Johns. He mm-hmm. did that crazy whole Purple Lanterns, and they don't even speak English. They speak, like, nope. one word. Yep. We never got a comic about them, and there was enough material there. Oh, absolutely, and it's but, such it's such a great storytelling device. I mean, any good comics, you should be able to take out the, the balloons anyway and be able to tell what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it's it's just so cool, and I'm glad to have it as a part of this anthology, you know. I really, I'm looking at the We Were Kings, and it also just the the art pops out, and you can tell exactly what's happening, and then the dialogue just adds in layers to it. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a that's another fun one, kind of biker story, you know. Um, which I mean, crime you gotta have. You got you got your tough motorcycle bikers, but there's a fun twist in that one that that I won't reveal. You have to buy the book and read it yourself. <laughs> And then, then for all all you fans of Arrow, there is this interesting Arrow-looking character. Yes. In Obsidian. Yes. Which uh, just happens to be written by Heather. It happens to be written by me. Yeah, Obsidian. It's kind of a uh, it, it is a vigilante tale, but it's not your typical vigilante tale. Um, I really wanted to explore the idea of um, guilty until proven innocent. Um, and what one person is willing to do to prove his innocence, which in and of itself ruins his innocence. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if that makes That's sense. That's a very interesting twist. 
without now, giving too much away. <laughs> are, are we allowed to kind of talk about the incentives yet, or do you want to hold off on those till Wednesday? Oh, no, we can totally talk about the incentives. Because um, I think getting in at $15 is amazing. Yeah. That's you get, perfect you get the, price. The book itself, you can get the PDF digital copy uh, instantly to your computer as soon as it's available. The whole... 160-page anthology, and it's full color, too, which is, um, you know, not a lot of Kickstarter comics are. A lot of them, you know, you get the color cover, and then the comic itself is black and white, uh, but our whole book is color, um, and for $15, you can get the digital download. And then for 30 you actually get the physical copy yep. plus the digital copy. So plus. the incentives are just amazing. At that point, I mean, $30 for an anthology... There's not many out there that you can even find for probably three times that cost that are going to be this packed. Yeah. Most you're going to find have three to four stories. Yep, yep. We uh, got quite the deal there. Um, and there's some, I mean, like I said, there's something in there for everyone. We've got, you know, horror-esque stories or some comedy in there, too. Um, and there's a pirate with a blue eye. Yeah. <laughs> um. Lots of lots of fun stuff in there. Action, adventure, um, dark stuff, crime, obviously. <laughs> then Redbeard's Chest, for all those who may not know this, I don't know if this is how Joe Dragness, Dragunis. Dragunis planned this, but this all looks like Scrimshaw. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Which is crazy to even see in a digital format because a lot of pictures, the second you go digital, you can automatically tell that, that they were created on computer. This looks like he literally just took out a piece of cloth and started scratching. Oh, no, no, no. He, it's, it wasn't drawn digitally. Oh, it wasn't? He, oh. Joe Dragunas, if you ever see this guy at a con, watch him draw. It is insane. He uses these teeny, tiny, little tipped pins. Um, and it's kind of like the old Renaissance... Um, paintings and ink scrolls. Like, it's a teeny tiny little pen, and he just draws it all by hand. All that little detail, everything is done by hand. Um, very time-consuming, but it's great art. It's insane. Um, and perfectly fitting for a pirate story. And to me, what I, what, I, what I find most compelling about this compared to some other comics you're going to see, these are all guys that are down in Artist Alley. Yeah. Which, for anybody looking to start a career or, or interview people, go to Artist Alley. Before, like, you, you sure there's all the, the great people like Neil Adams and, all, and, and everyone that goes along with the bigger names, but Artist Alley is where you find the people that are making the next generation comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what I like to think is that, you know, in this anthology, you're going to get the people who are going to be making comics, you know, five years down the road and ten years down the road that you're going to pick up every Wednesday at your store. Like, these are the people to get in circles with now because there's some crazy talent on this book. So do you pick up comics on a weekly basis then? I do. I do. I, um... You're so I, much better than I am. I can't, I can't commit to a weekly basis. I think my pull list weekly ranges around $50. It's really bad. Um... <laughs> uh, we get a lot of comics in this house. Um, but it's... But uh, I don't. I'm not always able to read them on a weekly basis. So I get this pile on my desk, 
um, that's like I'm backed up like 30 comics, like two months worth that I just haven't sat down and read. But I can't. I have to own individual issues. I'm a snob. I have to, you know, have my oh, see, collection. I'm, <laughs> see, I'm bad about it. If I get if I get single issues, like I've got a couple from Mercy Sparks and uh, Cryptozoic Man, they automatically get signed, framed. Then I have to buy the next issue, right? To make sure I can read it. So I've got a whole bunch of issues that are just posted over my walls. Uh huh. And then reader issues sitting someplace else. Well, speaking of collectible issues, one of the incentives for the anthology, um, one of our collaborators and creators on this book is Steve Orlando. Um, he wrote uh, recently Undertow for Image. Um, and you can get all six issues signed as one of the incentives, plus the actual anthology itself. Um, and you can also get all the variant covers signed too. So, um, which is really really cool if you're a comic collector. Now, now is this a limited edition thing where only so many people can get it, or? There's only one available of, you can get one set of the normal cover signed, or you can get one set of the variant signed, and that's it. That's all that's available. So it's a very limited edition reward. Very cool. You get it from the creator himself, uh, signed. Um, so, yeah. Now, w one thing I like to look for, and I don't know if this is something you guys are going to do, will there be blank cover issues? Of uh, the anthology? Yes. No, um, well, that is one of the stretch goals planned, um, but because printing costs, you know, printing is not cheap. Oh, it's um, ridiculous. <laughs> right, and, you know, the smaller amount of books you get printed, the more expensive that it is to print the books. So, um, unfortunately, we're not able to have that in our main goals. However, if we do make our goal and are able to hit stretch goals, that is one of the... Um, I do want to offer like sketch cover versions of the anthology. And even tougher, I don't think a lot of people know this, is you know, her her comic can go great here, but the amount of of overseas people can really yes. start to rack up the shipping price. Yes. Um and actually there's a lot of overseas people involved with this anthology too. We have a uh, one of our colorists uh, is from Greece. We have a writer who's from England. We have um an artist who's from England. I have a couple pinup artists who are from Venezuela and Indonesia. So this book, you know, it's going to be seen all over the world. So, you know, hopefully we do rack up some overseas <laughs> shipping. Yeah, because sh shipping, I mean, even even if you guys think about, like, everyone sees, I think, Amazon is like, oh, well, they got shipping for $3. Right. The rest of us don't get shipping for $3. No, no we don't. It's It's expensive. <laughs> That's usually why you'll see uh, a lot of people on their Kickstarters have, say, $30. Add $5 if you live outside of the United States. Exactly. But it's, so, it's expensive, especially, you know, when you're, you're shipping original art or you're shipping, you know, books, things that have to, you know, you have to package them in a specific way so that they make the journey. Um, and that's, that's part of, you know, that's part of the cost. Now, is this your first Kickstarter you're doing, or is this maybe the second one you're involved with? Um, this is my first comic Kickstarter. Um, I did a Kickstarter a few years back now for a, a, a web series I produced. 
um, called Lagged Out. Uh, you can find it online if you Google Lagged Out web series. It's horribly funny. You should check it out. Um, but yeah, no, I did that one a few years ago. But this is definitely the biggest project I've ever uh, taken over, I guess. Very cool. So are you, are you excited? Are you nervous? Both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety and tax may have began. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a lot, you know. So then come Wednesday, you're just going to be like in a ball in the corner, not even moving. Oh, absolutely. No. <laughs> no, I'll be I'll be you if you're if you follow me on any sort of social media, I'm sure you're going to unfollow me within the next 30 days because you'll be annoyed of all the incessant postings. But you know, it is it is a lot of pressure because you know, this is my project. I mean, it's everyone's project who is involved, but I'm the one running it. And so there's a lot of pressure to make this happen cuz you know I want I want everyone to be able to have a copy of this book that they worked on and I want the world to see this book that everyone's worked so hard on you know we've been working on this book since May it's been a, a very long um, journey and you know we're all extremely proud of it and we want the world to see it we want you to have it um, so yeah, and you're also lot. the first person to get yelled out if a single thing goes wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'll I'll just you know go lock myself in my closet for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am excited. I, <laughs> and then you're a hope. You said hopefully uh, before we started the interview, you said hopefully you'll be able to start going around in 2016 and start debuting the comic at different shows. Yep. Which. Yeah, um, I guess it's mostly going to be Michigan, Indiana, Chicago, Ohio. Well, oh yeah, I mean I travel like this next year. I'm going to be at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Um, I do go to C2E2. I'll go to the cons in Toronto. I go to the ones in Detroit, on West Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, New York. I mean I travel. I want everyone to see this, and I will live out of a cardboard box. It's fine, whatever. Um, but I want the world to see, you know, good creators work and get good creators out there and making good comics. I'm glad you mentioned Emerald City because I completely forget about it every year. <sighs> Don't. <laughs> no, this is because it's be in Seattle. Year. That's the problem. It's going to Seattle. Seattle's amazing. Go if you haven't. It's yeah, I've been to Seattle. I didn't like it. What? I'm the only dude that's generally walking around carrying a MacBook in Seattle. Friendship over. Because uh, <laughs> I carry a MacBook. No, well that yes, um, but also because you don't like Seattle. It's all. It's always the MacBook that does to people, man. I hate Apple. I, I used to program video games, and we worked on Windows, and then Apple offered me better incentives. <laughs> so I made iPhone games, and then I got tired of that. So now I just now I just make movies, but. <laughs> And I still don't like Adobe, so I have I have a really weird issue with Adobe and their structuring. Oh no. Mostly I don't like fifty dollars a month. I feel like it should be twenty. <laughs> well, you know, everyone's gotta gotta make a paycheck. <laughs> oh, they're making a great paycheck. <laughs> They've been doing that for years. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, it shows you uploaded a year ago, which I'm gonna guess that means you were filming 18 months ago? Uh, for what? Lagged out. 
Lagged out. Um, gosh, how long ago was that? Because I, I usually figure there's a six-month disconnect from when it airs. Well, we started airing the first half of the season while we were filming the second half. So, um, I don't know. That was so long ago. So many things have happened in between. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was two years ago we had our first table read. So, yeah, it would have been roughly, roughly 18 months, I guess. Now, when you did this, were you were you also acting and directing, or were you producing and acting? What was your setup there? I was uh, I wasn't acting. I did some extra work for it, but I was a producer um, and a coordinator for all of it. I directed. I helped write some stuff. Uh, little things here and there. Mostly, Anthony Gerardo did all the writing and kind of helped edit, tweak some things with the script continuity-wise. Um, but no, I mostly produced that. I, I casted it. I uh, coordinated locations, wardrobe, props, all those sorts of fun stuff that goes with making um, movies. You just like it. sitting at the head of stuff, don't you? I like making shit happen, as I like to say. Um, you know, I'm the type of person that uh, someone's got to do it, so why not edit, Why not make it me? Um Plus, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't I don't trust other people doing the little things, so I got to do it all. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm good at it. I I'm I'm one of those people. I'm good at making things happen. So producing um, and editing comics and you know making things happen, it's, it's, it just kind of happens. You know, it fell into place. Um, I like it. I'm good at it. It makes me happy. So why not? <laughs> so what made you shift from doing? Filming to comics. Um. Besides, I, it it seems to be a very tough market for filmmakers now. It is. Um. But I've always loved writing and drawing stories. I've been writing and drawing stories since I can remember. Um. I've done it my entire life, and I kind of fell out of it in high school a little bit. That's when I really got involved in theater. Um, so I was always really interested in telling stories, still, just in a different medium. Um, but it wasn't until the past couple years that I just, you know, I fell back into the comic swing. I started reading comics again, um, and it's just, it's, it's a much friendlier community, comics is. Um, not saying that the film community isn't, but the film community... Oh, no, it's not. The, the, the first thing you hear is, what are you filming on? Right. Well, it's it's more of a gated community um, than comics is. In comics, I feel like everyone is here. Like we all want to help each other out. Oh, what are you doing? Let me check it out. Oh, that's so awesome. And um, and the film film's more of that snooty. Like, oh well, I would have done it this way if I were you. Oh, you use the Canon 60D. Well, let me show you my 5D. You know, it's 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 a much different community and. Um, the you the iPhone I shot on. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's I feel it's just a different community. It's um, I have friends because of the comic community, literally all over the world. Um, and it's I don't know. I love it. It's great. It's I can work on multiple projects at once. Whereas in film. You know, you have this one project that you're on for two years, and that's it. That's all you can do. And, um, you know, right now I think I'm working on, like, eight different comic projects. 
Um, yeah, I only have three projects I can work on at a maximum, and two of those have to be short films where one can be a feature. Right. Uh, but, it, I mean, in comics and film, there, there are so many similarities, though, that I think that's why I've, I'm, you know, I've kind of fallen in love with both. Um, comics is just, you know, living in Michigan is a lot more accessible to me than um, trying to make a Midwest Hollywood happen. Though it does seem Detroit is becoming that new little film area. It has been on and off for the past, you know, ten years or so. It's, it is, it is sometimes, and sometimes it's not, and. Well, I mean, at least they're shooting. What are they shooting right now? They're shooting Batman. Superman up there. Yeah, they're shooting uh, Batman v Superman or Superman v Batman or whatever. <laughs> Two <laughs> people fighting. We want to see. Right. Yeah. Prequel to Justice League. Um, well, I, I mean, it's all just a prequel at this point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. Yeah. No. That that's been going on. Um. We get Transformers out here. We we got uh, Real Steel, Into the Storm, which just came out a couple weeks ago. That was shot here. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we did. We did five-year engagement. That was shot here. We get, a, we get a good handful of stuff out here. Yeah, I, th I think it's interesting that movies have started... Like, comics are spread all throughout the United States. But movies yeah. in the past ten years have definitely... We, you know, with the access of cheaper cameras that everyone can now afford, you've seen studios just pop up out of nowhere. I think Seattle has like three or four decent-sized yeah. studios, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah, well, Vancouver helped because Vancouver, yeah. you know, it's the TV capital. That's where all your TV shows get filmed for the most part, um, a lot of them. And so because... The only secret, if you live in Seattle, you need the 60D because you need weatherproof because it's going <laughs> to rain. It's going to yeah. rain all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but I think because of you know that Vancouver it kind of trickled down into Seattle for those people who didn't want to go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Canada's nice, but um. Hey, I know. love Canada. <laughs> but it takes a passport, and depending on where you live. That's true. I mean, I live in Tennessee. You know how hard it is to get a passport down here. Oh, that's true. Yeah, for you. I mean, I live you know ten minutes from Canada, so whatever. <laughs> Well, no, it, uh, I could be in Canada tomorrow. It's just getting the passport. Our, right. our post office. I had a guy send me a comic. It took three weeks to get here. Ooh. Yet I can order something, yet again, off Amazon, and it's here in ten days. minutes. Yeah. I have no idea what, what the difference is. I think our mail is just like, we have no idea what to do. Well, no, they have the drones. Amazon has the drones. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the key to it. Is it. And then isn't, I think Ghostbusters is shooting up in Detroit, too? Are they? I don't I know. Like I well, don't leave my house. <laughs> the, the new Ghostbusters that's all women? So, I don't know. I really don't know much about I don't know. I love that um, RoboCop didn't shoot in Detroit. That was my favorite part. We, we're, we have the RoboCop statue, but the movie wasn't shot here. But it took place in Detroit. Isn't that the but same with I, Rocky? Didn't Rocky end up taking place in, like, Atlanta? Well, in... Uh, there's a part in the new Transformers that just came out that shot in Detroit. They're supposed to be in China or in Hong Kong or Shanghai or somewhere, somewhere Oriental and Asian, and you can clearly see Detroit skyline in the background, and it's the funniest thing to me. 
If you pan out a little bit more, Eight Mile Pond is just sitting right there. Then, yeah, you see all the graffiti and <laughs> the building that says Zombie Land on it, and the old train station, and oh yeah, Shanghai, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I did not catch the new Transformers. It, it's not high on my list. Uh, I didn't see it. I heard. I, I saw. You heard about on YouTube. I. Michael Bay, man, is he a filmmaker? What? <laughs> I'm glad somebody else agrees there. <laughs> well, you, you've heard about the new Independence Day, right? No. We have no, a young gay black man. Oh, oh well. We are in 2000. Like when they announced it, I was like, "Really? That's how you distinguish that you're in 2014?" Yep. Okay. They're trying to break all the norms here. I mean, it's a good thing. Yeah, but it just feels like he's going to add it in, and it's not going to be any part of a story because it's Michael Bay, and stories don't. Right. Make sense. They're just trying to tell a story for the sake of it's more than just explosions and big boobs <laughs> I think that's the only reason people saw the first Independence Day Yeah. <laughs> I just remember sitting there being like oh man Jeff Goldblum is such an amazing oh gosh <laughs> he's literally just connecting dots at this point yeah <laughs> but I mean Nicolas Cage turned it into two movies with a possible third on the way so <laughs> right you know, we all love that, and then there was that Blair Witch Project movie, which... How come we haven't had a comic done in the style of Blair Witch yet? What do you, what do you mean a comic done in the style of... Or a comic movie done in the style of Blair Witch? No, just or... a comic. Like, just a comic where <laughs> they're pretending to hold a camera throughout <laughs> a comic. That would be awkward. I don't, how would you do that? I don't know. Somebody could do it, though. This is going to happen now. This is going to happen now. <laughs> Then it just takes the whole industry by storm, and tomorrow, bam, Blair Witch comics are a thing. Because, like, a found, I guess a found document comic could work. Oh, it could. I think it could, in a way. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft made it, a st- made it like, his, his whole career is just, okay, we're going to make found footage police reports. Right, and it works. So a found footage, that'd be interesting. In a way. I don't know, that would be interesting. That's definitely something to explore and, like, try. Um... But I'm over the found footage films. <laughs> I've been over them. Whoa, I've been over whoa. them since. I mean, Blair Witch, that was great because it was the first of its kind. And, like, great, you did your purpose. It happened, and it, and it worked for you. But now everything has to be found footage. That's the only way you can justify your project. Like The last found footage I saw I really enjoyed. Um, it was part of the Kevin Smith movie club. It was called The Dirties. I didn't see that. It is about a kid. It's about a group of kids that get bullied, and they're they're making a movie where they're shooting the bullies, and then it goes a step further. Okay. So like you just see the mental uh, degradation of this guy, to where he's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna kill people. Uh huh. I'm just gonna get beat up my whole life. Why not? And at that point, I was like, oh, this one actually has a story. But most of them, like, what? As above, so below is one of the new ones. It's all about a demon. There's always a demon or a witch. It's all about a demon, or it's all something like monsters or weather. And if, like, if you take the aspect of found footage out of it, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing there. You know what I mean, though? Like, yes, very much. That's your gimmick. That's your thing. Is that it's found footage, and you're gonna make your audience sick watching it because I can't focus on anything, and that's why it's gonna be mind blowing and so great. But it's not. It's awful. You know what yeah. I'm waiting for. Actually, what are you, 
What are you waiting for? So, okay, so I'm, I'm super sick of found footage films, right? I'm also super sick of 3D films for the purpose of just being 3D. 3D animated or 3D shot? 3D, not, not even 3D shot. Just, like, people who are just like, hey, we filmed this. Let's make this 3D at the end of the day. Because they do. So, um, so, so I the wanted, new Flash of the Titans. Right. So I'm waiting for someone to make a found footage 3D film. I mean, realistically, on the budget, it would be so easy because you could just pick up, what, two GoPros? Right. Oh, yeah. And they, have a, they have a kit to make 3D, so this this could be an but idea. Like, it would be, but just think of, I mean, you're spinning or things are flying at you and, like, you wouldn't know what's, if the camera's shaky or things are going, it would be weird. I don't know. It would be, it would be some weird trip. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, see, uh, Someone has to do it now. Someone has to make a found footage 3D film. Well, my studio, we just greenlit one of the scripts we've had written for a while for uh, a cosplay killer. You know, just a girl, a girl that is trying to win a competition. Uh-huh. That I had to join up with the studio to even get published because people were like, this this is this is awkward. I'm like, I know. <laughs> That's why it's written this way. But now I'm sitting there thinking like, we could do a 3D, a 3D cosplay killer. I mean, you're going to puke. That's the whole goal of that movie. Oh, absolutely. If like, 3D found footage, you're going to puke. Absolutely. Uh, if this happens, if you're doing a 3D, I, I, I get a creator credit or something. <laughs> Heather will hand you the barf bag as you walk in. I will. Or people wearing my face as a mask. Either or, whatever. <laughs> So then, with, with your comic, this is the. Uh, have you done a web series in the past with the comic, or has it all just been, I guess, physical? How do we call? What do we call this now? What do we call it? Just, yeah, with your with your uh, comic, oh. have you done a web series in the past? Oh, a web comic? Yes. No, no, I haven't. This is my first comic project. I mean, essentially, I I have a couple freelance projects that I've worked on that have been released. Um, there's uh, a, a series called Stronghold. Um, you can find them on Comixology and on Facebook and Twitter um, that I've, I've edited for them. I have a couple other um, books that I've edited called Epilogue. There's one coming up called Comer. I've edited a couple little short stories that are going in an anthology. Um, but this is like my first project that's all me. Um, I do enjoy web comics. I like to read them from time to time, but they're not really like I don't know. It's a different creative process that isn't my cup of tea. Um, I can understand that. It's I mean it's a complete it's a completely different process of you know storytelling um, web comics that is it's a lot harder for me I think because you have like three panels or you have one page and that's it to tell your story what's it's weird hard. for me is when hard. people do they do the full comic like you know this is an entire comic and then they release a page at a time yeah that's because not yet yeah, it's not good storytelling for a web comic you have to have a that's it you have to have a beginning middle end right I there think for anybody wanting to look at starting a webcomic, go to Nightmare World. That's a good one. Um, I, I think Dirk killed it. Um, Plume, 
Plume by Kaylin Smith that was recently published by Devil's Due is another good form of telling it. But, I mean, Penny Arcade, if you're going for the three panel, just look at Penny Arcade, I guess. Another good webcomic, um, Michigan-based, have to give a shout-out to my homeboy, James Anderson, but uh, Ellie on Planet X. Um, it's an all-ages comic, uh, but it's very, very amazing arts and a very good webcomic uh, to check out. It's L-E-E-L-L-I-E on Planet X, the letter X. Um, Google it, check it out. It's amazing. Um, and because of his webcomic, because it's done really well, um, he actually got a graphic novel deal, and he's making the webcomic. He's taking the story and actually branching out and making it a graphic novel, um, which is really cool. Um, and it comes out on Mondays and Thursdays, according to his website. Yeah. It's very bright and colorful. Yeah, it's very cool coloring. It's different, uh, that color palette. You don't see it a lot. So he does he does some cool stuff. And stark contrast for the Detroit base as well. There was also, if it may be up or not, I'll have to check with Tony, but... Gotho the Clown was also a webcomic before yep. he came out in print. Yep, or um, if you're a fan of Katie Cook, My Little Pony, another uh, Michigan, she has a webcomic called Gronk that you can check out. G-R-O-N-K, Gronk. Um, she writes and draws that. It's a fun little thing. Um, yeah. Oh, I, guess, I guess from where you used to live in Chicago, we also have Dan Doherty's Beardo. Yes. Which is, saw, saw a lot of... Uh, Syndication across the web lately. Yes. Yeah, Dan Doherty. Another great. There's a lot of good ones out there. There's a lot of not-so-good ones out there. Um, the ones we just listed, though, all have very good narrative styles for a webcomic. Because um, a lot of people, I feel, just forget how to do a webcomic. It's a oh, different medium. Yeah, they, they branch... I think what happens is people want to write comics, but writing a whole comic and printing it is expensive and getting it out there and it's so easy you know with all the like with WordPress you can just get a WordPress for free boom you have a website 20 bucks for a domain um a domain and oh i can just post my comic there but they don't realize that web comics are a completely different um form you know you have your comic issues and you have your graphic novels again completely different forms and um People, people just don't realize that. Um, but it's a learning process like everything else. Same with a miniseries versus a full series, which Absolutely. personally, I prefer miniseries. Oh, yeah. I prefer miniseries, too. Um, my favorite, All my favorite comic stories are like four or five, six-issue little miniseries. So then with that, what's your favorite comic series that you can think of? Right now? Currents or period ever? Period. Sandman, hands down. Particularly volume one. Um, Give me just one second. So last year... Uh, I guess 13, 14 months ago at this point now, uh, Casey was working with me on allthingsgeeks.com. Okay. In which I had been writing a comic, and I had never read Sandman. What? Yeah. Somehow it escaped me. 
I sent it off to her. A couple other people had read it. The script's still being worked on, and somebody brought up that I, it, it had a very similar style. So I had to call up the guys at Secret Stash, who I've talked to several times or a lot of comics from, and they sent me this massive thing. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> this thing uh-huh. almost broke my toe the first time because <laughs> I dropped it. You know why? Because you hadn't read it yet. I know, and for anybody that's going to, like, if you want to start, I think the Omnibus is the best way. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's leather, it's sexy, and it'll <laughs> hurt some. It's like a weapon on, 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 like, the backup, it's a weapon. It is, it is. It's dangerous. And we're seeing it become a movie in the next three, four years, let's say. Yeah, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, uh... I hope he plays Sandman. He is, that's, that's <laughs> is the... He? Yeah, that's the, um... I thought they just tied him as the producer, but if he plays it, awesome. No, I think he's uh, he's working with David S. Goyer writing it. Um, David S. Goyer, for the listening who don't know who he is, he is oh, he's uh, amazing. <laughs> amazing screener. Also from Michigan, um, from Ann Arbor. Um, but uh, yeah, he wrote wrote the Batman scripts. Um, but yeah, he's he's writing it with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is producing slash directing, I think, and he also wants he wants to play Morpheus. He wants to play Dream. So um, I don't know who else you could have play Dream. You know, uh, it's tough because this comic it's so like Sandman is the whole reason why I'm into comics and why I love comics. Um, and it's it's tough for me because I hold this story so near and dear to my heart that I don't want to see it ever become a movie. Dear, I like Ghost Rider. Let me tell you, I've been there. <laughs> I'm not a horror. Well, as soon as you heard Nicolas Cage was involved, it's just gone. <laughs> I wanted Johnny Depp. But um, I wanted Johnny Depp for Doctor Strange. Why isn't he Doctor Strange? That's that's a big question. Can you imagine Johnny Depp as Doctor Strange and then Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark in a scene together? How amazing that would be! Well, John, Johnny Depp is is effectively my second backup for Doctor Strange because the only man that could ever play him is dead, and that would be Vincent Price. Oh, Vincent Price would be great. He would have killed it, but you know he's happen. dead. <laughs> um, for Sandman, I think. The only other route you could go... Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, could do it. That's such a bullshit name. I, w- I want him to just be like, it's a fake name. I just want right? to hear but, him say But it. I think he could. I think he could play Dream. I think Daniel Ratcliffe could. I He's too short. Well, but I mean, it's CGI. We, we can always no, fix that. Screw that. Screw look at, the, look at the dwarfs in Lord of the Rings. Come on now. Yeah, and you know what? Screw that, man. There's, there's like six Let's foot do four. What happened to good old-fashioned movie magic? Um, well, those cameras people don't use anymore. Well, they should. Uh, oh, trust me. I am always on Craigslist looking for these little things. <laughs> because the, these, to me, give you the best image quality. I know it's not even... <laughs> This isn't even like 140p at this point. <laughs> this is like negative. But you still, you have to learn so much more, which you will take over. I think that's the downside. Everyone, I guess in the, if, I feel weird because I'm only 24 and it feels awkward to talk about this. But there's a lot of entitled people in movie making. Yeah, oh, there are. No. Hey, I'm like, 24. I'm right there with you. 
I, I work at a studio, which I partially own at this point, but uh, we have like Black Magic and Canon C three hundreds, and I love those. But man, people want to start out on that, and you're talking, you know, a ten grand setup that yeah, you shouldn't start out. You should start out with like, what's the cheapest camera I can buy? Your iPhone. Start off with your iPhone. Which isn't a horrible quality. No. In fact, uh, we've shot full interviews and short films on it. And you can get creative with these. I I think a lot of people forget this. There are a lot of accessories for an iPhone that aren't available on an Android. So you can can get a breakout cable and go straight to an HDMI monitor and still power it. There's a camera kit. What did we pick up? I think it's called Action Life Media or ALM, one of those two. You can buy a camera conversion kit to telephoto and DSLR style lenses for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So you guys can start out super cheap. Uh, my 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 gush just happened this week. I don't know if you're still involved in the filmmaking world as much anymore, Heather. A, a little bit here and there. I do have a uh, a project that I'm going to be acting in um, coming up soon. Um, so, comic related. <laughs> so Sony has released these next cameras in the past. Okay. And they also released these QX cameras last year that snap onto your cell phone. Okay. We now have an interchangeable cell phone camera. Yeah. It's like $400, you can pick it up with an 18 to 55 millimeter lens, runs off Wi-Fi, roughly 800 shots, so I'm going to say two hours of battery life max, which for anyone that thinks you go over two hours on a shoot, you're lucky to shoot for five minutes straight. <laughs> so. It's- <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, you can step up from your iPhone to all this other stuff. I feel that a lot of people want the best gear to start out with. And you got to start out with crap to start to get really good, guys. <laughs> it's a downside to the industry. It's true. You, you do. I mean, but you learn so much more. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and I mean, if you're starting right off with, like, you know, a, let's say you're a 5D. So you're starting with a 5D. And you screw up something on that 5D. Oh my gosh, so much money. So much money. So much money. And I'd rather screw up a Super 8 and learn something about film. Um, and learn something about the process of making film. Which is a, a, almost a lost art. Um, I mean, it, we call it film, but no, nothing's shot on film anymore for one thing. You're not a film major if you're shooting digital boys and girls. You're a, a movie major, I guess. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's amazing to shoot on 35 millimeter, but it is so expensive to cut it's at this point. It's so expensive, but it's I mean, it's such a cool skill and knowledge to have. I don't know. Call me a film snob, whatever. No, it, it, I mean it's similar to drawing. There there's a big difference between drawing with your hand as opposed to drawing on a Wacom tablet or model. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely, a hundred percent. And it's a lot of friction based. I find like I when you draw, it feels very like drawing on a monitor feels extremely awkward. Yeah. And it's to me, it's something you have to sit down to use, which is as a disconvenience. I like to be able to sit wherever I want. I won't even own a desktop if uh, if I can keep from it because I want to be able to move everywhere. <laughs> So for you, when you now you draw as well, correct? I do. I do draw. Yeah, I that's I've been drawing since before I can remember. Um, 
I, I'm one of those, my grandma will send me, you know, she'll she'll dig through old boxes in her basement and she'll find, like, all these old drawings I apparently used to draw when I stayed at her house when I was, like, you know, like, five or whatever. And she'll, like, mail them to me. And I'm like, ah, I was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you're awful. a self-critic on all your work. <laughs> I am though, but uh, but no, yeah, I do draw. I um do some freelance work on the side here and there, you know. So would you go back and yell at five-year-old self for you for going outside of the lines? I never went outside of the lines, <laughs> and if I did, it was an artistic choice. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that Michael Bay's excuse for explosions? And uh, we we don't make excuses for him. So we're at that point where he's just he's off the list. So he's what about an, he's an excuse for himself? What about comic creators? Are there any that that have really annoyed you lately? Really annoyed me? Yes. Gosh, the only I mean, recently I can't think of his name, but whoever drew that god awful Spider Woman variant, I can't remember his name. You know, it's funny too because so the day that came out, and you know which one I'm talking about, right? The uh, one that, the, the Nicki Minaj one, as as it's been called. Sure. Yeah. That horrible. The butt. Yeah. Oh. So okay. So the day that came out, I was on Twitter and just scrolling through whatever on my lunch break at work, and I see people talking about Spider Woman, and I see you know I scroll past and I see this picture and I look at it, but I don't think it's the actual picture people are talking about because it's drawn so bad. I think it's just someone's bad fan art that I scrolled past. Oh, wow. He's rolling and up. Then I go this. home, and uh, my my fiance Zach, he's like, "Hey, did you see this Spider Woman? You know, did you see the one that everyone's talking about?" And I'm like, "No, but I saw this really shitty drawing." And he shows me like, "Oh no, that's the one." And it just baffles me that someone would see that and be like, yes, that is the art I want on the cover of my book. You know? like. So it's, it's, my it's question awful. becomes, is it because it's a butt? Or why, why, why is it because it's so bad looking or is it because it's the way her butt's positioned? It's so, it's just, it's awful. It's it's not that, I don't care. Like, comics, you're going to over-sexualize women. It sucks. It's part of it. It's a struggle. We fight it every day. Girl power, hurrah, whatever. But it's, it's just bad art. Um, someone took a 3D, uh, 3D modeled this girl and did it in the same position that the Spider Woman was drawn, and then turned the 3D model sideways so you could see her body and see all the broken bo bones and joints she would have if that was actually physically happening on a human body. I only um, had one issue with the 3D model. It was. It was the head because they disconnected it. Did you not see her thighs? I she saw a whole a knee <laughs> past her crotch. Like it was weird. And but, but just to throw this out there for anyone who who might have just seen this, if you go back, I think it's ten issues before Spider Man's in the same weird pose. He is. And this is not the first a lot time. better. <laughs> this has been like a pose that has been iconic for. I would say the skinnier superheroes for at least 12 years. Since about 2000, we've seen this similar style of like the backside up in the air, really awkward looking. And I think it's unappealing, but to me I thought the the feminism comment was a little awkward because I just wanted to be like where's the fat guy? 
Where's the sexy fat guy? Well, Where's Chris Farley on a comic? That's what me, I want to see. For me, it's not like who cares? Like it's a girl drawn. That's not why like it annoys me. For me, it's it's bad art and it was published and yeah, that's the variant that someone's gonna pay like ten fifteen dollars for. Really, for that? No. Well, were were you there for the Walking Dead variant that came out? I don't read Walking Dead, so okay. I don't know. So you know, in the '90s, we had a bunch of terrible comics. We had a bunch of awesome, terrible comics. <laughs> that were pretty pictures with words that made no sense. Well, yeah. But then we had these even just more terrible things that came out called chrome covers. Okay. Walking Dead did a chrome cover. Really? Uh-oh. I have to Google was, this now. It was like 15 bucks when it dropped. Uh-oh. <laughs> I remember on. doing a podcast, and oh my! the first thing we did was like, this is crap. I have a lot of images coming up, and I'm not seeing the Chrome cover. This is making me it's sad. issue 100. Oh yeah, I know exactly. My roommate. Yeah, I know exactly which one. Yep, it's I a have bad it. Chrome cover. Like it's not even a good-looking Chrome cover for Chrome covers. It's an interesting cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's being nice. <laughs> it's not what I would choose for a 100. It's not what I would pay for. <laughs> and I, I think the price oh my god the price is 125 bucks to find it now right <laughs> wow that's crazy well, and I bet that's 100 where Glenn dies I think it is I think so I think that's why I mean it's not only is it issue 100 but Glenn dies so that that's what's gonna cover or not that's what's gonna jack the price up oh and I guess for everybody out there who didn't know spoilers but you should learn to read books just dies. <laughs> In Game of Thrones, everyone's only ten years old. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And Star Trek, red shirts. It's <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek, rich. <laughs> Except for the new one so far, they they haven't they haven't died yet. Hey, we haven't hit the third movie yet. Where do we go in a third movie? Who's our next yeah. con? <laughs> We've had three Honestly, or two cons. We have. I'm trying to... You know what? Ahura gets her own con. That's it. There we, we go. Give, we give her her own version of con. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, I mean, just forget about it. Just go to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Now, did you see that movie? Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. <laughs> I was at the midnight, baby. Um. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Um... I Did think, you like it? I think, and this is, wasn't the greatest story of all comic book movies, histories, or just movies in general. No, it wasn't. Were the characters underdeveloped? Yeah, a little. Was the story underdeveloped? Yeah, a little. Was it the most fun I've had in a movie all this year? Yeah, it was fun. Um, oh, it's, a, it's the funnest movie I think you can see. Oh, absolutely. The soundtrack is fantastic. Um, Chris Pratt did a great job. Zoe Zanalda, Dave Bautista blew me out of you know blew my mind because I didn't expect him to be able to read a line. Um, well, just to throw this out there for anybody who's curious about Dave Bautista's acting, every joke you've made about Dave Bautista for the past ten years—that's his character. <laughs> oh, but it's but it works. It's so good. It works. And Bradley Cooper, what a great voice actor. I mean, Surprising. If, I, if I didn't know that was Bradley Cooper, I would have never guessed that he was Rocket Raccoon. Um, oh, yeah. 
his voice went complete. It's it's the same way with um, the Lorax. Yeah. I couldn't guess that was Danny DeVito off the top of my head. No, but yeah, no Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, no, I had I heard some people like, oh, it was you know blah 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 whatever. It was stupid. It wasn't great. Well, it was fun, and that's what it was supposed to be. You know, like I mean, I have one minor group, or well, Groot issue, and that that's the end. Did you read the comic at all? Uh, I'm starting to now. I okay. The cool thing for me about Guardians of the Galaxy is when I heard it was coming out and I hadn't read the comic, I didn't want to read the comic just so I could go into the movie knowing nothing. Um, whereas, you know, I go into Iron Man 3 and I know the story and I watch the movie and then I cry the entire time. Um, well, clearly you already know what happens when Groot dies. Yes. So, I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you, but... In the comics, you have to get a sprig. A sprig mm-hmm. is a twig with a flower. In the movie, he just plants a regular twig. Yeah. Now my my hope, I want somebody else to plant regular twigs. I want an army of Groots next month. <laughs> just an army of Groots. Someone take all the splinters. <laughs> we we can I mean we can go because the next movie's got to be weird. Like oh, yeah. everyone that thought this was weird. If, if you haven't seen the movie, even if you have, I don't think a lot of people caught on to this because Marvel leaked it out. The very end, the, the little credit where everyone went, oh my god, Howard the Duck? Yeah. Howard the Duck wasn't the character we were supposed to carry about. No, Adam it was. Warlock. It was. Yeah, no. Howard the Duck was awesome, but it, it was, was, who was out of the cage. Seth Green, great job as Howard the Duck. Um, so we have Adam Warlock, and there's only one way I think we can tie Adam Warlock and the Church of the Universal Truth in. And it, it's through um, Star-Lord's father, because remember his mom says he's an angel? Yep. What if we make that just like he's, he believes he's such a priest of this that he, he thinks he's an angel for the church? That would be interesting. And then we make, you know, the Messiah for the church, Thanos. Yeah. Ties you know, the I'm, whole universe, and we're done. <laughs> I'm excited. So I assume I haven't read too much into I try not to read too much into... Um, like the, the the online movie rumors for like you know oh this rumor is so and so is cast or this is the plot that's gonna happen I try not to look into that because I want I kind of I want the joy of being surprised while going at the movies and not knowing anything ahead of time but uh, I'm hoping that how they plan it is that Infinity Gauntlet Avengers three that's the team up between Guardians and the Avengers and I can't wait to see that when that does happen. Um, That's the one I would expect. I would expect so too, because they involved obviously one of the Infinity Stones with Guardians of the Galaxy. We've seen Two. what a total of four now. I Have think. we seen four? We've seen four. Well, we already know what Thor three is. We are without a doubt Thor three, the Infinity Gauntlet stolen. Yeah. Well, we've seen um, the Tesseract. We've seen. Um, the we are Easter. up to four. That's right. We've seen the Loki Pokey Stick. <laughs> so we need two. And so we have two left. Yep. Um, Which will be Avengers, and then I think Ant-Man will probably hold the other one. Ant-Man will probably, because people have to be, because Ant-Man is such a a non-invested in character from the, like, the real world. Um, Well, I mean, so was Iron Man for a long time. Just so so happy to turn out. Robert Downey Jr.? Actually a pretty amazing actor. Right, um, but... But Ant-Man, I'm, I'm sure they're going to throw one in there that way. They're yeah. guaranteed a, a higher sell 
Cause I well, don't... and he's you know he leads up into the Avengers with him being the you know the dude that well, makes well, yeah. Yeah. Ultron, which hopefully is going to be good. I have high hopes for Ultron. It's James Spader. I love James Spader. Oh, that man, so good. <laughs> so, so, did you love him on Boston Legal? I didn't watch Boston Legal, but I love him on The Blacklist. I went back because uh, I, I didn't see Boston Legal. I watched it with my old man, and he fell in love with it. Dad was so about it. And we're sitting there like, you know what? This character, he kind of leaves, and he's kind of a seedy underbelly. This plays right into Blacklist. <laughs> Same character works out. <laughs> and Blacklist, I mean, if I had to choose between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Blacklist, guess what? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is never getting played on my television. <laughs> I've watched the first two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I have not watched it since. And, yeah, that's my life. Um. Now make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. better? Really easy. Agent Coulson comes back from the dead? Not really. In fact, he was actually Vision. That's what happens. <laughs> I feel like that's how it should have been, but that's never going to happen. Well, it's comics. You know, no one saved that, that whole <laughs> thing. But my problem with... I mean, well, I have a lot of problems with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, um, that's not it. No, my main problem is I love I love Agent Coulson as a character. He was great in The Avengers. He was great in, you know, what was it, Iron Man 2 when he was in it? He was in the first one, too, I think, wasn't he? Yes, I believe he has minor parts in all three. Well, yeah. in number one and number two and then The Avengers. Yeah, um, but I... I love him as a character, but he's not a leading character. No. He's not. Um, he's that fun background guy that has the one-liners, and you're like, oh, I love this guy. And then as soon as they're like, oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. starring Agent Coulson, I'm like, what the? No. <laughs> it's, it's not good storytelling, but that's me. Um, and I don't watch it, and I'm happy because of that. So, <laughs> As far as bad movies that... I know are going to be bad, but I want to love it. There is this movie coming out. I think it's uh, October 20th. Whatever the Friday is around October 20th. Dracula Untold. I saw this coming out. I know nothing on it. I, I was like going through IMDb and I was seeing like, you know, upcoming movies. I'm like, there's a new Dracula movie coming out. What is it's this? If Dracula was like a badass superhero. Like oh. his kid, his kid just looks at him. He's like, "Dad, sometimes the world doesn't need a hero; they need a monster." Then he becomes Dracula. I'm all about it. I know it's gonna be bad though. Uh huh. Like you just, you just from looking at, it, you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be like a Jack and the Giant Slayer movie. This is not a movie that we're gonna go like this was amazing." Hey. But it's one you're just gonna be like, "I need this movie." Hey, Jack and the Giant Slayer. It was okay. It wasn't horrible. I remember, but it's one that you'll fall like you you. It's not an amazing movie, but you'll watch it a bunch. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like it's it's a good uh, screensaver movie that you can have in the background. You know. Um. It, it's still fun. Um. I remember though watching it. My bro my little brother went and saw it. And he was just like, I didn't like it. And I'm like, why didn't you like it? He's like, Well, it was predictable. I knew how it was gonna end. And I'm like. Well, yeah, it's Jack and the Beanstalk. We all know how it's going to end. <laughs> Is that really what he said? Yeah, he was like, it was predictable. I knew it was going to happen the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. How, how old is your little brother? Uh, well, he, he's 20 now, but he he's was 20. like 
what, 17 when the movie came out or something. So then you you should have a total fun thing with him. I don't know if he likes Kevin Smith movies or not. Some people don't. Just show him Red State and be like, figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> Just figure it out. I'll give you a dollar. Because <laughs> my, my dad sat there, because he, he, he's all, you know, he's... He's in his 70s. He's one of those guys that they, they rented movies every weekend. They came home with the stack. That's what they did. Uh-huh. And he's still doing that. And he, he sit there. He's watching Red State. He's like, I don't know what the hell is going on. Why are they doing this? This is weird. I don't want to watch this. Uh-huh. And then sure enough, Tusk is getting ready to drop, I think, in a week or two. And he's like, I need to go see this movie, too. He's like, I don't like Clerks, but I like these weird ones. <laughs> That's funny. So for you... Comics is now your medium, your form, your your love. Do you love all comic book movies? Uh, no. No, <laughs> I don't. I'll go see them all. Um, even Spider-Man? Even Spider-Man. Um, I saw Spider-Man just like a week ago, and I was I was heavily disappointed. Wait, which one, which one are you talking about? The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, okay. Like... I mean, it's it's like with anything, you have to respect the film as a film, and the and the movies, you know, and the book is the book, and the comic book is the comic book because you can't do everything, and it's all artistic interpretations. Um, that being said, some are awful. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. There's just some some things that in a book you just can't put to screen. You know, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of them. Uh, <laughs> For uh, me, it just feels like if there's wasted talent in the movie, I'm upset. Like Paul Giamatti right. is so wasted in that entire film. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it because I'm just like, why is Jamie Foxx the villain? Well, He's the, yeah, I don't. The reason, I mean, the whole reason Jamie Foxx is in there is because because it's Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Right, and they wanted to bring money, but the whole re and the whole reason Paul Giamatti was even in Amazing Spider-Man Two is for Sinister Six, um, which we'll see how that goes. I, I have skeptical movies where you say like it's the same like Gotham. I already know I'm gonna dislike this show. Does, haven't even seen the first episode because I think, what I, what yeah. I wanted to happen isn't gonna happen. I wanted a full season with the Waynes. Like I just want to know who they are. Right. Then, oh, that then be, kill them. Then just murder them. That would be excellent. Um, and I stole yeah. that from Smodcast. For anybody curious, once but, that came out, um, the guys that did, I think it's Bruce Tim who worked on the Batman the Animated Series? Yep, Bruce Tim. So it's Bruce Tim, or ooh, it may be Paul Denny. It's either Paul Denny and Bruce Tim, or Bruce Tim talking to Kevin Smith, and that, that's how they plotted out the whole first season of Gotham. I was just like, yep, that's the way it needs to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. No other way is going to make it work. I want to say, well, and just like, because the whole reason Bruce becomes Batman, and, and not only is to, like, fight the criminals, you know, that took his parents and so blah, 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 whatever, but it's it's because his parents instilled this hope and this good in him, and we never get to see that. And I want to yeah. see this good, this beacon of white light in this dark, town, you know, and I think, I don't know, we would fall in love with the Waynes. You know we would. And the world, even though we know they're going to die, and that it, it, that episode would be the most watched episode of anything of all time. Oh, yeah. 
Well, if you... Instead of break everyone's heart, it, that would be good TV, man. What was it? Uh, Flashpoint. Did you read that series at all? Uh, that is in my to-read pile. <laughs> I have a lot of my to-read pile. Well, we, we I'm, get not in... a big, I'm not a big superhero comic person. I, I pick and choose what superhero comics I read. Most of I, I read a lot of alternative stuff. So, um, I may have an alternative comic for you to check out. My, my other half is more the, uh, the superhero. If you're looking for a fun alternative comic, uh, there is one, cause I, especially going on with how big you are into the uh, crime side of everything, yes. there, there is a neo-noir comic that basically takes Dick Tracy, and oh, except, except he's a pickle. What? <laughs> Everyone's a vegetable. Oh my gosh, I need to read this. It's called Fried Pickle... No, yeah, Fried Pickle Noir. Uh, it's by my buddy J.R. Mounts. I met him uh, up here in Knoxville. And we, we sat down and did a show, and by the end of it I was like, I need this comic. I need this comic. Read through it, oh my gosh. The pickle gets skinned. Like, they're just, they cut him, and it's amazing. You're just like, oh, I can just imagine what Dick Tracy would look like if he was getting cut. Except it's a pickle. And somehow, with it being a pickle, it's weird enough. It's on the edge that it just you're gonna. It's like a Sin City you're gonna fall in love with. Yeah, except pickles. <laughs> yeah. So I have to. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. And that sounds uh, fun. Ah. Uh, no, oh, oh, for fun. See, that well, comics, would, comics need to be fun, and people lose that, and that makes me sad. If you're looking for fun, my buddy uh, Brett Books did a comic called Dust Bunny. Which is about a actual dust bunny. Uh, I can I can top that. I want to hear this top. Let's go back to web comics. It's another good web comic. Okay. And it's involves crime. Okay. And it's called Dust Bunny Mafia. I know this one. How do you I know, know this one? Why do I Brett know this Giuliano, one? He's actually involved with the anthology as well. Um, but Dust Bunny Mafia. Uh, it's this little bunny mob, and they're mobsters, and they blow things up, and they commit crimes, and it's silly, and it's fun, and it's it makes me giggle. <laughs> oh, we'll see. This may, this may be the difference. Brett's is a a murder mystery involves a literal dust, dust bunny, bunny that's held yeah. together in the shape of an anime meets comic bunny. Like I don't know how he how he learned to draw this stuff, but uh -huh. it's this really weird style of anime meets. I, I guess you call comic. I mean, it's it's crazy looking. Uh huh. You're on Facebook. I'll send you a link to his stuff. <laughs> Here is a link to his latest Kickstarter. It's called Deuces Wild. Okay. And it's still it's it's a art style. I don't know how to describe it. It's one that. If you're like a Star Fox 64 person... It does. It looks like... It very much looks like a Star Foxian thing. It's interesting. <laughs> but, you know, I think if you guys are looking to get comics, I think you have to look at Kickstarter, as well as the indie... Uh, the Well, we're going to call it Artist Alley, but effectively the indie Artist Alley at every comic convention, because that's where the weird stuff that's coming out, but it's also going to be the people that are writing the comics for the next decade you're going to fall in love with. Oh, absolutely. Easily. And for anybody that does press at Detroit Fanfare, that's the first thing Dennis tells you. 
He's like, listen, if you're coming here to interview, you want to interview these people that nobody talks to. And that's what we started doing. I, I We have met some of the best people. We just met Heather this past, I want to say, week. Yeah. I don't know if it's been a week. It's been this past week, let's let's say, yeah. <laughs> and looking at her artwork, she, she's amazing. She's up and rising. You said you were, what, 24? 24. 24, and she's already working on comics. You know how many 24-year-olds don't work on comics? You know how, yeah. It's, well, <laughs> how many, so many that want to be a comic to. artist? Yeah. <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. It, it, if you want to do something, just do it. I don't know. Like, nothing's stopping you but you, so just do it. So what what are you most excited for for this Kickstarter? Is it to get to get the work out? Is it just because finally anthologies are a thing people want again? I just, you know, I just want people to see it. That's all. Like, I'm so proud of the work that this team has done. This is such an incredibly talented team. And I'm so grateful for everyone's contributions and hard work. And I'm just so proud of this book. And I just want people to see it. That's it. That's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to finally show art from this book. Um, I mean, hell, that cover by Tony Moy, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, all the art involved, Jay Fosgett, Ted Woods, Adam Ferris, Travis Bramble. I could go on and on about these guys. But really... I just want people to see it. It's so good. The stories are so much fun. Um, I don't think there's a crime comic, a crime anthology like this out there. Um, and yeah. I, Especially this diverse. Especially this diverse. There's a lot of like noir-themed crime things out there. And that's great. I love noir. It's great. But this is... Every idea of crime that you could think of is in this anthology, and it's fun and it's dark, and it's moody, and it's cute, and it'll make you laugh, and I, I don't know, I just, I'm very proud of it, I'm very proud of everyone's work involved, and I just, I just want people to see it, and smile, and like it, and stuff. <laughs> well, for all that funness, when, they, when it gets ready to come out, we've got to roughly January 2015. Yes. But I'll go ahead and I'll back five issues to give away for the future, what? So we can do like a whole giveaway for this series to get people even more excited. Aww. Look at you. It's an anthology. I need more anthologies to happen. Well. Anytime, anytime they're like eight to ten page stories, it's the best thing in the world for me. It's so it's so good. Yeah, it's 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 fun, you know, for a writer to step out of this 20-page, 22-page realm and like, oh, let's do a short story. But speaking of more anthologies and wanting more anthologies, I want to make this anthology a yearly thing. I already have the next two anthologies planned out. Uh, submissions will begin for next year's in April of 2015. So if you're a comic creator listening to this, um, find me, Google Heather Antos, and find me and stalk me and... We'll, we'll put podcast. some links down to her down below in the uh, yeah, description for the stop. podcast. Um, but uh, next year's anthology... Whoop. Did we lose her? Oh, I'm right here. Okay. We, you roboted out for a second. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, no, next year's... Yeah, next year's anthology theme is um, Urban Legends. So you can either, you know take your own urban legend that no one's ever heard of and write your own, or you can take, like, the urban legend of, you know, Jack the Ripper or Slender Man or whatever and write about that. 
Um, so that's next year, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. If there are 2,000 Slenderman uh, submissions, I'm going to come personally to your house and show you way better living <laughs> legends. Uh, but, uh, so that's next year's. And then 2016's is Fractured Fairy Tales. Um, so we have a lot of fun stuff in store. That so are these going to be Fable and Grimm-styled fairy tales? Um, or are you looking for something a little bit more outlandish? I, you know, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's two years down the road, so who knows. But, um, I, I, I really... I'm just looking for a good story and a unique take on um, something. You know, for an example, if you don't know what a fractured fairy tale is, it's you know, it's you take a fairy tale and put a twist to it. So you can either write your own fairy tale that's a little bit broken, or you can take you know one of Grimm's fairy tales um, or one of the Disney fairy tales stories as they you know made Grimm's a little more family appropriate uh, <laughs> and tweak. Okay. For so, anybody thinking of a fractured fairy tale, I'm gonna go ahead and give you give you an idea already that you can plant in, get an idea of. You take Little Mermaid, and the only way she can stay on land and keep being a human as opposed to a mermaid, she has to eat people. That's a good one. Um, somebody, somebody write it and just put down there. Dot dot dot. Inspired by podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Uh, me. I wrote. Uh, this is actually the whole theme for this got inspired in high school. I wrote a fractured fairy tale play. Um, and it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but Snow White was a, um, a schizophrenic, and she had eight personalities. Uh, <laughs> it was a one-woman show. Um, Wait, so. you acted out all parts? Yes. <laughs> Did you play Prince Charming, too? No. Or just the eight personalities? Prince, Prince Charming was the therapist. <laughs> Plays so well in with actual therapy because a lot of patients fall in love with their therapist. Yeah, that was so. Yeah, you can't steal that idea though. That's that one's mine. So. So creator owned, Heather Antos. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so that's a fractured fairy tale. But yeah, so um, more anthologies are on the way. So if you see unlawful good and like what you see and want to be involved, um, stay tuned because there's going to be lots of more good stuff coming in the future. And then as she as she tweets all this stuff out and put it, we'll get submissions to you guys to where you can put it in and yeah. maybe maybe be a part of a comic series, guys. Yeah, good stuff with some really awesome creators. Then nobody rip off American Horror Story. We need better horror stuff than that. Yeah, we do. Just throwing this out there, Freak Show is terrible. <laughs> I don't even have to see it. It takes place in the 50s. If it's a Freak Show, it has to be 80s. Well, not 1880s, effectively. Like, I just want it so far back where freak shows were a thing. Right. Uh, but you, I'm excited because if you're going to go with the... So are they all going to be crime-inspired for Unlawful Good? All the stories? Yes. Yes, they are all centered around the theme of crime. Every single story. And then for the next two, will they also be centered around the theme of crime? Or just nope, the, the next, theme... This, the next year's, 2015, is centered around the theme of urban legends. So will it still be called Unlawful Good? No, it'll be called something else. Okay. It'll have its own title. Um, I haven't come up with that yet, but again. So just a yearly anthology by Heather Antos. By, well, Dude What Comics. Dude What Comics. I keep forgetting Dude What Comics. It's okay. So everyone needs to go to Facebook and like Dude What Comics. Dude What? And we're on Twitter, too. 
So you can. That's right, and I have your Twitter stuff. Read what comics. Um, so around there, um, we post comic things, as comic people tend to do. Um, check I'm us out. completely shocked by that. I know it's weird. <laughs> and they do not they do not pander just to the 15 year old boy for everyone that's curious because we know how the internet works. There is a well, that's how the internet works. Now everyone panders to the 15 year old boy that's sitting there playing a video game. That's true. Look at YouTube. <laughs> but as far as their Twitter feed, which I'm a part of, I, you know, I follow them on Twitter and on Facebook. There is a great diversity amongst what they do, which is what makes it all amazing. Woohoo! Thank you. <laughs> and I, I really like the pinup that was done by, I'm going to mess up this person's name. Amalia? Amelia Avini? Amalia. Amalia. It is I awesome. If I'm butchering her name. Well, we could well, all be butchering this, this person's name. Yeah. Well, it's tough because, you know, because all these creators are from all over the world. So I haven't met a lot of them. So I think I know how their names are pronounced. But not but, really. <laughs> Her pinup is awesome. It should be yeah. somebody. It looks like it's made out of chalk. I know it's uh, not. I think I she painted it. I believe. She painted it? Yeah, I believe she painted it. Do you have a copy of this? The pinup? Yeah. Um, I do not. I just have the digital stuff that's going to be in the book. Uh, do you want it as a print? Is that what you're asking? I think it, I think it would make an awesome print. Because that's uh, one of the possible stretch goals is getting all the pinups and the covers for all the stories as prints if we make our goals. So another right. incentive to back Unlawful Good on Kickstarter. All right, people. We so need to get Unlawful Good $20,000. <laughs> Which in the, realm of awesome. comics, <laughs> in the realm of comics, it's really not that tough anymore. It's it's not, but it but it is. It's scary. You gotta get the right people to see it. You gotta hit the right moments. But but it is possible. It is a totally a hundred percent possible. I like to think like a pessimist because it, then you're all either always proven right or pleasantly surprised. So I like to be in the room. Oh, no one's gonna see this. We're not gonna make any money, and I'm gonna have to pay for printing myself and cry and. Live in my car, but um. Hi, I'm Andrew. Have we met? I'm the eternal pessimist for this one. <laughs> so but, tell everybody is about all their work. Yeah, but I don't know. It what keeps me motivated, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, get me twenty thousand dollars, and I'll get you some cool comic stuff. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that very strongly there is a good chance this one's going to go off huge because it's an anthology. Bang for the buck. It's quality art and storytelling. And it's a comic. It One of the very few things you can do to be successful on Kickstarter is make a comic. It is, it, you know, it's true. There's some really great comics. Actually, I was talking with um, a couple of the comics experts at Kickstarter this past week, and they were saying uh, comics are more likely to succeed on Kickstarter than any other category, which is cool. Um, I think he said they're like 30% more likely to succeed than any other category, which is huge. Um, I would say between 30 to 40 because of the cost. Yeah. Um, but they also don't ask for as much money as like, you know, I recently saw this film on there that was asking for like $300,000. That's a lot of money to raise in 30 days. <laughs> for all those who are thinking about making a movie, if you're smart and you've you, you got a low budget, offer people pizza and Subway. Yep. 
Most people will do stuff for food. <laughs> I was on an academic Super Bowl team in high school because food was offered. <laughs> and, and just to prove how much, like, you, she could go up next year and win a Sheldorf Award at Detroit Fanfare. <laughs> That's how crazy comics, like, she could be the next Alan Moore. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but YouTube has already proven, especially with this being the third year of these streamies. Yep, streamies, the streamy awards. They, they, they proved there is no diversity in YouTube. Everyone that is a, let's say, uh, million-person subscribed thing, they won the awards. So comics, one of the last great media art forms to where anybody just starting out can go and be the next great author or artist in the world. Yeah, no, it's true. There's, I mean, it, it definitely with YouTube, but it's it, comics. You never know. I mean, you never know. A lot of these people, obviously, they didn't come out of nowhere. They've been working hard for a long time to get to where they are. But you know, um, Scott Snyder, for example. Um, you know, he, he'd been writing American Vampire, and then one day they're like, hey, do you want to do the backup to Detective Comics? And the next week they say, hey, do you want to write Detective Comics? And all of a sudden, the entire world knows his name. So it's it's weird, yeah, the, how the world works like that. Look, uh, R.D. Hall, this guy I met, uh, while he was working on a, a little project... And he said, hey, guess what? I'm doing Heroes, and now he's doing Heroes. Yeah. So it's the last place that you can start out nowhere and next year be something amazing. True. 100%. But, guys, we've had Heather here for about 40 minutes, so we're going to let her go back to work because she has to go back to the fun, loving world of crazy writing and editing and everything else that goes on with that. I do lots of stuff to do still. <laughs> it never it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you, and I cannot wait till Wednesday when we get to post all about your Kickstarter going live. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Thank you, and you have a lovely day, dear. You, too. Take care. <laughs>